of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I wanted to be sure not to be one of those ministers. You know, a minister with a bee in his bonnet one with a hobby horse to be ridden every other Sunday. You know, when the minister has a thing, a thing about nuclear weapons or fair trade or the environment or homosexuality, and pretty much every other Sunday or so, they go off on one. And you sigh when the bee buzzes and the hobby horse canters. Here we go again. He's on his thing. So I never wanted to have a bee in my bonnet or a hobby horse. Not least because congregations are usually too polite to complain out loud. Pulpits are very powerful places. You very seldom get interrupted with cries of, Oh no, not this again. Sometimes it's only the sound of quiet snoring that alerts a minister to the fact that the congregation is not quite as engaged on this as they might be. So although I've tried not to be one of those ministers embarked on a crusade, as they see it, to educate the congregation towards clearer thinking and better living and wiser ways, the truth is, actually, I do have a bonnet and I do have a bee. I do have a hobby horse tethered to the fence, head in a nose bag. Or should I say, since I've come to Geneva, 
I have acquired a bonnet and taken a bee on board and got the horse. And only enormous amounts of self-restraint have kept that newfound passion under control. And it's actually your fault for encouraging me to visit Malawi for what turned out to be a transformational encounter with Africa, with the world church, and with the meaning of mission. Now, some of my colleagues might see it differently, but I believe the Church of Scotland is very generous to its ministers. We're allowed to have the most amazing job in the world, bar none. And on top of that... We're encouraged to take study leave two weeks a year to freshen up the mix, to stir the imagination, to push out the boundaries, to see new stimulating sights and find challenge and refreshment and renewal. And it was during last year's study leave period that I was privileged to join the group that was going from the church here to Malawi. Now, I have to admit... I should have been paying more attention when Jane and Han Brewer asked Lindy and myself to join them. I thought they said they were going on a church visit to Milwaukee. And that's why I agreed so readily to join them. It was only later when the list of required jags and inoculations was presented that I realised it was, in fact, Malawi. The welcoming heart of Africa that was our true and final destination. The purpose of the visit was to connect with the Youth Resource Centre in Equindeni, funded and supported by the congregation here in the Church of Scotland in Geneva. The project, which is designed to support families and in particular young people whose lives have been profoundly affected by HIV and AIDS, to provide education and support and opportunities where there would otherwise be nothing. The project has been running for eight years and the Church of Scotland, Geneva, that's you, is the main funder, that's you. And the link was well established and I was just beginning to, to find out about it and understand. And so my education began and I know that many people here are well-travelled internationalists. So be patient with me if my excitement at experiencing Africa for the first time seems a bit gushing and naive and adolescent. But it was new and it was amazing. It was surprising, shocking and humbling. The programme organised for us in Malawi was intensive and varied. You might call it a Total immersion in the life of the people, cities and towns, and especially in the country villages. And it was a true awakening for me to the challenges that they face on a daily basis and the limited resources with which they have to work. And I say this, you should stand tall, people of the Church of Scotland, Geneva, for to a newcomer, seeing with fresh eyes for the first time what is being done because of you and your support, and only because of you and your support, the work of the Resource Centre was inspiring. 
And the commitment of the workers there was unstinting. Hundreds of young people are included within the reach of their work and the range of expressions of support and education is wide. Sport is a major tool in the toolbox and countless young folk are involved in football and netball and other physical activities including dancing, lots of dancing. I I had the privilege of playing football with the teenagers. Well, for the first half anyway, just before the heart attack would have kicked in. You could just imagine them saying, yes, he died doing something he loved. They would say at the funeral. And under their breath they'd say, crazy man, who did he think he was at his age? But the young men and young women are encouraged to look beyond themselves and take part in practical caring for those with crushing problems of health, poverty and bereavement. Regular trips are made to the outer reaches of the area to work in a hands-on way with those who have been devastated by AIDS, caring for them, helping them, supporting them. And family and community senses run deep and no one is afraid of hard work. In order to give us a real sense of what it was like to live in an isolated village with all the vulnerabilities of that, we stayed several nights in the homes of people who quite literally live out on the edge in every sense. Their hospitality, their warmth were humbling and heartwarming, while their circumstances were heartbreaking. Nonetheless, their kindliness, their welcome was genuine and loving and their smile was wide and honest, their faith deep and real. And we valued that sharp-edged experience even if we did not always enjoy it. Now, when you take study leave time, you have to report back to headquarters on the benefits of the experience. And in all the jargon of bureaucracy, you have to list the outcomes, the outcomes of your time spent. Well, the outcomes of that visit were considerable and beneficial. They included learning how brave and hardworking the people of Malawi are and how little wriggle room they have to make any progress. They are very poor. The trip allowed me to appreciate the worth of the Church of Scotland Geneva project and to feel a deepened commitment to encouraging its support. And I can do that now with enthusiasm and awareness and integrity. The trip also allowed me to be amazed at how, for all they don't have very much, those folks out in the villages, they are hospitable and welcoming and it truly was the warm heart of Africa. Truly amazing. Another outcome was that I learned that, and it's a hard truth, that in spite of living through the swinging 60s and growing up with the music of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, I will never dance like an African. And I'm quite certain that several supple young African women went home to their husband after dancing with me and shared a conviction that they have never in their life danced with such a 
pasty, uncoordinated, clumsy dancer. It's good to be home, darling, they would say. I'm quite sure. But a profound and transformational lesson I learned there that has really opened up my thinking and broadened my heart and my sense of humanity, and this has truly been their gift to me, has been to learn that what we need in our world are not bigger walls, but bigger tables. Not bigger walls, but bigger tables. And I came home with a clearer sense of how utterly fortunate and blessed we are in the West and in Geneva in particular. And how that blessedness should inform our thankfulness and our generosity of heart. I came back aware that it's actually our privilege and can be our delight to share in this work that people do in our name and in the name of the Christ we serve. And that's my bonnet. And that's my bee. And it would be wrong to bang on about it month on month, but it would be more wrong simply to let the privilege it was of meeting these wonderful people and seeing what they are doing just kind of slip into memory. It would be wrong to fail to make sure that the project that we set up, we must make sure it receives the attention it deserves. It was with immense pride that I was able to be associated, even as a newcomer, with the work that's been done there to change lives, to offer hope, to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ under the most trying and demanding of circumstances and with the most meagre of resources. The good news is that they are able to do amazing things with whatever support we give. They make it go a long, long way. And the love that we release them to show in the name of Jesus Christ is true mission and true ministry of the gospel. So no, I won't bang on about Malawi every other week. But I did promise the people there that I would pray for them, that I would tell their story and salute their courage and honour their Christian service. It had been my intention to visit Graham and Mina on our other mission project at the Leprosy Hospital in Nepal in November, but my daughter has decided to get married in Scotland in November, and I think she feels I should be there. But at a future mission service, we will focus on the work being done, and our retiral offering today will be shared between both projects. So, forgive me if you heard a bee buzzing, buzzing, if you heard the whinny of a hobby horse. But this connection has gone deep in me and is a privilege. This work being done is kingdom work. And we are blessed to be able to share in it to the extent that we do. The freedom given to us to give is freedom to let Christ's love loose in a sore place. Like the woman in the story from Mark's Gospel, it is a chance for us to do 
something beautiful for God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.